I would say just do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, get the boat ready and and go, or or get the boat half ready and go. I guess. <laughs> if you've been listening to this podcast much, you'll know my motivation for this whole exercise is that it gives me an excuse to talk to experienced sailors. Uh, and there's a few things I put into these episodes that serve as a sort of public note to self for me. Uh, and that little snippet right there is a good reminder that sometimes. You just need to forget about everything else and go sailing. Greetings. You're listening to the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. Whether you're a grizzled old salt, pining for the days of wire rope halyards, or a greenhorn, wondering what the hell a dolphin striker is, this is the podcast that seeks to fill the need for everybody's third most favorite pastime, that is, talking about sailing. Hello, welcome to this month's edition of the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. I hope everyone in the Northern Hemisphere is enjoying their summer, and regardless of your location, hopefully you've been getting some sailing in. This time of year is tough for me, what with the breeding and rearing of oysters, which is my day, uh, night, and weekend job this time of year, as it were. But uh, I did manage to get my dad and sister out on Firefly for a quick sail about a week ago. Uh, we popped out the spinnaker for the first time. Uh, which was awesome. Uh, we had like five knots of wind just after the beam. We were making three knots with the spinnaker up. I was pretty psyched. Um, I don't have a sock for it though, so it's it's easy to imagine uh, how the whole thing could just get completely out of hand if uh, if the wind got up. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we had a great sail. Had a bunch of dolphins surfing on the bow at the mouth of the Piankatang River, uh, and uh, had a great time. I put some uh, some videos up on Instagram if you do the social medias. I am at the Bonnie Boat there. Uh, but enough about me. This week I have for you a conversation I had with Jeffrey and Margaret of the Tayana 37 Bear. Uh, I met Jeffrey while we were both crewing uh, on separate boats in the Caribbean 1500 in 2016. He and Margaret have been cruising New England during the summers, and this past year they took off from the Chesapeake offshore to the Virgin Islands. So they share their experience in getting the boat ready, some reflections on the appeal and allure of living and traveling aboard a sailboat, and some anecdotes from some of the many places they've visited. Uh, they can be found online at their website, returntoseasons.com, and they have a YouTube channel of the same name. So, without further prologue on my part, I give to you Jeffrey and Margaret of the Good Ship Bear. So maybe we can start with just kind of giving us the, uh, you know, kind of the bird's eye view of, uh, of where, what you guys have been up to uh, sailing wise for the, for the past couple of years. Um, for the past couple of years, uh, we went up to Maine two summers ago, I guess it was, and had a great time up there for the summer. We were up there again for a couple of weeks this past summer and then down to the Chesapeake and off to the Caribbean, um, went down, you know, from, from Norfolk to the BDI and spent most uh, two, three months, I get three months down in the Virgins, and then made our way through Puerto Rico, over to the Turks and Caicos, and through the Bahamas, and then up to Florida. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, so you guys have been, been covering some ground. Um, and, and kind of a, a, a big part of me doing this podcast is trying to get, get at how people make the transition from, uh, you know, from coastal sailing to, to going offshore. Sure. Um, and Jeff, you and I met, um, we both crewed aboard uh, boats in the Caribbean 1500 uh, back in, I think, 2016. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe could you guys talk about kind of that transition from sailing coastal uh, along the East Coast to uh, to making the jump down to uh, down to the Caribbean. 
Well, that that trip when we were on the uh, the Ark Rally together was the the first time that I had really been offshore, seriously offshore, and th that was a big step in this process. You know, getting that that time aboard and experiencing that. Um, and then I, I think you know we were pretty laid back about the trip offshore. I had a buddy Felipe who came down and crewed with me. Margaret uh, took the the plane route to get down to the Virgins, um, and you know, we, we had a good trip down. It was uh, nothing. We didn't break anything, which I think was the big surprise <laughs> in the boat. Uh, we had ex expected after our trip down the 1500, we had broken half the boat. And so I sort of expected that that was going to be the norm. But we did not uh, have any problems with that on the way down. And it was a good passage, all, all told. But... And I think that when Jeff had the opportunity to do the offshore trip with Remedy, it was sort of our way of getting some experience so that we'd be able to take Bear down to the Caribbean. We've been talking about doing it for a few years. And then this opportunity arose literally overnight for Jeff to hop on that boat. And um, it made us both feel more confident with Definitely. you yeah. know him having that experience of doing the exact same trip that we wanted to do a couple of years later. Cool, yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Um, so you, you, you mentioned that there was, on that the boat you crewed on, there was a lot of breakages. Um, yeah. Were there any any other kind of big differences between the two experiences? Um, well, there was four of us on that trip, uh, but it was the, the captain was in his early 60s and had just retired, and so it was his captain, the, the wife, and then it, the captain's older brother. And um, I, I feel like I almost had more help with just Felipe on board than being on with those three, um, just because we had much longer walk, watch schedules on, on that. I, I felt like I was taking a lot of the watch time on that boat, whereas Felipe, he was always just eager to, you know, if I wanted to go down and take a nap or something like that, he was always on. Um, when I was feeling a little sick at the first couple of days of the trip, um, you know, I mean, Felipe was there doing whatever needed to be done and stuff. Um, so it was nice. Uh, that, that was a big difference between the two trips, I think. And the fact that when you were on the 1500, you had professional weather routing Whereas <laughs> when Jeff and Felipe went down, I was their weather router on shore. And so we were typing in, we have one of those um, uh, Garmin inReach yeah, systems. Yeah, yeah. And so you can only get so many characters, but I was trying to send them weather updates, you know, pretty regularly. And there was a, a little disturbance brewing, so it got a little sketchy for a bit. But I think that was probably a big difference with having the professional weather routers and the tracking devices and all that stuff. And, and that's a big difference too, um, you know, from my experience was that on Remedy, I sort of just got the synopsis from the captain of what the weather was, you know, whereas here, like Margaret was saying, we were actually dealing with the nuts and bolts of it and, you know, making decisions based on the weather, which, you know, was beyond my pay grade on the, the last trip down. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, that's, that's awesome. And so, Margaret, so what kind of sources of uh, weather information were you using to uh, to kind of to feed them? Sure. I was looking at NOAA and um, Windy and Predict Wind. And so I was using all those different sort of the synopsis from NOAA and then looking at the different, um, what are those called? The different types of... The different models. Yeah, the different models mm -hmm. um, on Predict Wind and, you know, sort of playing the guessing game a little bit of which one was actually going to come to be and try to really play it safe, obviously, because I'm watching them from a distance, but wanting to keep them out of anything too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. That's the, it, it sounds like it worked pretty well for you guys. It did, yeah. Also on the inReach, there's this you know thing you can put in any coordinates and get what the weather is going to be like there for the next, I don't know, 72 hours or so. And it wasn't um, that, you know, that, that gave us a lot to do on the boat. <laughs> you know, we yeah. would run ones you know from 50 miles from us 100 miles from us all the time and they were fairly accurate uh it's just hard to get a big picture um from that information gotcha gotcha um cool that sounds like uh sounds like that worked pretty well um so when you when you were getting ready to leave what kind of uh weather were you looking for were you doing the kind of wait for the cold front to pass sort of deal um yeah that was exactly you know i mean what the the sort of plan was we um we had even talked about getting down to the Chesapeake and, and maybe making a run sometime after the 15th of October, going a little bit earlier than traditionally. Uh, but we had lost our engine in right around September 1st, right when we were leaving Maine. And so that put a big wrench in things. And we ended up in Maine until, what, mid-October? Mid October 10th or something yeah, like that? 
And, um, and so we were just rushing to get down to the Chesapeake and uh, get in a position to even make uh, something in, in early November. And um, Felipe came in and we were just hauling down the Chesapeake from Annapolis and looking at weather on the way down. We ended up putting the hook down for, I don't know, 24 hours or something like that when we got down to Hampton and, um, and then just took off, uh, you know, the, in the morning. Um, and we were heading out and we come around the bend and we're right with all the, uh, salty dog guys, um, heading out. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So that, that was pretty nice. Cause we knew that they were looking to leave at that time, but it was, you know, it was, it was nice to head out with them. And we were in the thick of those guys, you know, the whole way down almost, you know, I mean, at least till Bermuda, we were always within hailing distance of somebody, uh, who was on that rally. So cool. Cool. That's nice. Um, yeah, and, and I wanted to um, to ask you guys about Bear. So uh, she's a Tana thirty seven, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I know I've been I was clicking around the interwebs, getting ready for this interview, and I and I, I see that you have an affinity for uh, for double unders, uh, which <laughs> which I want to get into. But but aside from the fact that she's a double under, what um, drew you to the Tana thirty seven? We looked at about I don't know fifteen boats before we bought Bear, and we were looking for a seaworthy, you know, blue water cruiser. Uh, we like the double under style and we had a price range. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we started looking at boats in the, around the 31 foot range all the way up to about 42. And Bear just checked a lot of boxes. Um, we actually put an offer on her site on scene. We had just seen pictures of her on Yacht World, but she looked to be in such much better shape than the things that we had seen both on Yacht World and in person, um, and it paid off. We ended up driving out to uh, Connecticut in the middle of winter into February, and when we got aboard her, we pretty much knew right away. She was just she had a really nice layout inside. Um, the previous owners had maintained her really well, and she seemed to be about the right size for two people. <laughs> cool. And what was that? So, what was that boat buying process like? Was it fairly fairly smooth sailing kind of? Uh, going through the whole, uh, you know, money changing hands, all that stuff. Oh, that part of it. Oh, um, nice. w- yeah, that part of it went really smoothly. Once we were had settled on there, um, everything went well. You know, we were uh, bopping around in Florida, mainly looking at a bunch of boats over the New Year, you know, sort of holiday there. Um, and that was just a hassle trying to get in touch with brokers and getting on boats and stuff. Nobody thinks nobody takes you seriously or, you know, I guess maybe it was the holidays, too. They were. Um, you know, busy with other things and stuff, but no, the, uh, the actual purchase process went real smoothly. Cool. Cool. Nice. Um, and now that you've sailed the boat for a while, what do you, uh, what do you think of her? Oh, I mean, we think she's pretty great. We, uh, I think like with any boat owner, you always imagine what things could be different or could be better, or you would might change if you could build the boat miraculously from the ground (laughs) up or something. Um, but she's she's really seaworthy. I feel very safe in her. Yeah. You know, I feel like um, we've put a lot of sweat equity into her, yeah. and so it we talk about what Bear 2.0 might look like, <laughs> but in reality, we don't know if that will happen because Bear has been good to us and yeah. um, she yeah. serves our purposes pretty well. Yeah, I think a little bit more length, a little bit more turn of speed. Um, you know, more storage space, which would come with the length, uh, and an anchor locker that we could get out from deck. <laughs> you know, I mean, those are the sort of things that we talk about. Um, but you know, for the most part, bear has been, been very good to us. Like Margaret said. Cool. Cool. And you mentioned uh, sweat equity. So what, uh, what kind of work have you guys had to do? We've, we've really <laughs> done everything, uh, you know, redone the rigging, um, changed out the chain plates and the crants iron and all that. Um, we put a, uh, when you know wind vane steering on it um I, we talked about changing out the engine you know um margaret's done a lot, all the cushions on I've the boat sewn all and, the cushions on the yeah. boat inside and out uh new stack pack um we've taken the mast down and you know that's when we were doing the rigging yeah. but uh, we've started redoing the running rigging or the um uh safety lines as well oh yeah around the outside um we've what else have we done? I don't know, just a Through lot of hull things. replacements, you know, all the hoses, the raw water system, the fresh water system, 
the toilet's been in and out multiple times. <laughs> That's just, I think, maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right now we are taking down the headliner and going to redo a lot of the electrical and rebed everything on deck so we can get rid of a few little leaks up there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I'm sure that, that sounds like a project. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what um you mentioned changing out the chain plates what um did you i mean were, did you find issues with it or was it kind of a peace of mind thing um it was initially a, a sort of peace of mind thing that you know here are these stainless steel you know chain plates uh, are 25 years old and we didn't really see any problems with them although you know I mean, you'd never really know until until they break or something like that but um we ended up pulling them out and didn't have too many problems except for the aft, uh, the, the backstay um, chain plate. The knee in there, the water had gotten in and the knee was completely waterlogged. And, you know, we had to grind that whole knee out and really happy we found that because we wouldn't have if we hadn't been changing out the chain plates. It was when we were actually drilling in that we finally realized that there was water in there. Yeah. 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 Peace of mind, we ended up moving the chain plates from interior chain plates to exterior so we could keep our eye on them all the time. Yeah, and, and now we don't have the leak issues that were sort of prevalent on Tyana's with the way that the chain plates go through the deck. Cool. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's neat. That's something I've considered on my own boat. Um, so did you have to? So you, I guess you, so you drilled through the hole. Did you put a backing plate on there or something? Um, we used the old knees as the sort of backing plate, uh, except for you know the the aft one, the the stern one that mm -hmm. we had to sort of build up uh, some fiberglass in there and stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. Then the, and so I guess you and did you have to remeasure the rigging as well? Um, yeah, we were um, we had redone the rigging the year before with sort of the understanding that we we're going to be doing the chain plates, and so we factored that in. We ended up having to cut one of the wires again, and you know just we had stay lock on it, so it was fairly easy to you know just take off two inches or something like that and redo it. Cool, um, cool. Yeah, that's a neat project. I've uh, my wife and I and we have a a Pearson aerial twenty six mm -hmm. foot sailboat and. Uh, yeah, the same same deal. Chain plates go through the deck, and it's a uh, it's a fifty year old boat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned uh, you lost the motor up in up in Maine. Is that right? Yeah. What, um, uh, what was that whole process like? Uh, Margaret had, was just heading off the boat. She was going to an artist residency for a couple of weeks, and while she was gone, I was going to bring the boat to the Chesapeake, and I was just leaving the dock. She had left two or three hours before, and I was a in Rockland Harbor, you know, maybe a half a mile from the, the dock. I just got the sails up and suddenly I heard this big bang and, uh, you know, knew, knew something wasn't right and um, turned off the engine, sailed in, you know, put it in anchor and realized that we had a big problem immediately. And then it was uh, five days of taking, you know, getting quotes from people and finding out who could actually do the work of replacing the engine in the next couple of weeks so we could save our you know, our plans for heading south. And um, we finally located somebody over in Portland. Uh, I sailed the boat over there over, you know, 36 hours or so. And then um, and then we were on the heart over there for three or four, four weeks or something mm -hmm. like that while the work got done and we did the work. You know, we were working with uh, Casco Bay Diesel and they, you know, sort of supervised and certainly had the expertise, um, but they also allowed us to do a lot of the work to save some of the money on the install. Cool, cool. So, what was what was wrong with the motor uh, initially? Um, we had uh, we had put a hole in the. Um, gosh, what's it called? Now? We threw a rod. So yes, we, put we a threw hole a rod in the, in the engine block. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Jeff called me on the phone and he said, "Do you want the the bad news or the bad news?" <laughs> and I said, "What? What?" And he said, "Well, there's oil all over the inside of the engine compartment, and uh, we have catastrophic engine failure." <laughs> and I was just like where did that word come from catastrophic engine failure and he had been calling a couple places and they just explained it you know sort of explained without even being able to look at the engine what had happened yeah. and it was such a shock because our engine was it was something that we had babied and just you know been meticulous in its care and to have it it was like the last thing we thought we would go on yeah. the boat we thought we would blow out a sail or something first and this was just totally unexpected Huh. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a bummer. So, what kind of a motor did you guys put in the boat uh, after we that? Put a, we put another Yanmar in. Um, we had a three JH four E, which is like a thirty nine or four, forty horsepower engine, and we went to the same model, but the common rail. The you know they 
now have the electrically right. I'm I'm not I'm not much of a motor guy, but I, I yeah I've heard these words before. <laughs> and it was you know we partly went with that. Um, you know if we had all the time in the world, I don't know that we would have made that decision. We might have went with a beta um, because we could have you know kept away from the common rail. But the Yanmar replacement was like a as close to a drop-in replacement as we could get. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that you know that's what allowed us to to get to the Caribbean was was going with the Yanmar again. But. Cool. Yeah. Um, so what have you guys found uh, most challenging about about sailing so far? I mean, it sounds like that was a pretty big uh, pretty big challenge. Um, has it been maintenance stuff? Has it been kind of the some of the sailing aspects or or learn how to live aboard a boat? probably all of those things to a little bit of an extent i mean i didn't um i I didn't know i well i wasn't a sailor before i met jeff and so i would only really spent a couple weeks aboard boats before we bought bear Um, and so i think the adjustment to to learning how to sail and living aboard and getting over some of the regular anxieties of a non-sailor like healing over and storms coming and you know just so much to learn such a like quick you know curve a learning curve um but i think over the years it's sort of worked out really well and i feel like when we're on the boat we're we're a team and include like a three-person team with bear (laughs) (laughs) um and i don't know i think the challenges are always for me, it's sort of overcoming fears, um, making big passages. Each one feels like a baby step, you know, one overnight, two overnights, and so on and so forth. And um, and I want to be good crew. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think some of the you know the boat work um, gets to be quite a drag at times, and you know I just wish there was less of it, but. Um, <laughs> You know, we don't have the money to pay other people to do it, so we're doing a lot of the work ourselves. And, uh, you know, and that also goes into buying an older boat and, um, you know, in a boat that wasn't totally set up for using the boat in the same way that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the previous owners used to spend their summers on Block uh, Island with, you know, on a mooring. And that's just a different, you know, way than the way that we use the boat. And so it's taken a lot to, you know, get the boat ready for us to be able to use it the way that we want to yeah. um i don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah no for sure that's cool um i know margaret you mentioned uh, the teamwork and i know certainly my wife and i have I've spoken about that as one of the things we miss most about living aboard is you know every day you have kind of a, a, a shared goal and uh, and you're working towards it that's always something we we enjoyed yeah mm-hmm. definitely it's even though some of the jobs aboard are, are really challenging because well, you've never been a refrigerator repair person before or an electrician or, or anything. When you have your partner there who's also, you know, a novice at those things and you tackle it together, it feels so rewarding at the end of the day when you fixed this thing and you can have cold beer again or exactly. you can have cold beer again or, you know, all those kinds of things. It, it um, yeah, it just makes the whole experience so much more rewarding and exciting. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, what about advice that you guys might have for someone considering taking their uh, you know first steps into into skippering a boat offshore? I would say just do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you're out there. And um, I don't know. I, I just it's not that hard. You know what I mean? It's it's not rocket science at all. Um, you know, get the boat ready and and go, or or get the boat half ready and go. I guess. You know? <laughs> Cool. I think, I like it. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's really fun to go out with a group of people. And so everybody's sort of cheering each other on. And, you know, if you have a couple extra crew instead of just being single, you know, single handed or, or two people, um, it can make the experience a little bit more lighthearted, a little easier. You're sort of sharing the work together. Um, and we'd like to do more of that ourselves because we, we have found it really fun to have Felipe Mm-hmm. on board both in the um when we took the boat down to the caribbean and we he came aboard in maine for a week mm-hmm. and we've had other people aboard like that and it's just been a ton of fun what's next for you guys you think so now, now you're in florida it sounds like you're doing some some boat work um you headed uh where, where are you headed next 
<laughs> that is the constant question around here. Yeah. Um, you know, we hauled out and I can't, I don't know, somewhere along the lines we started, we, our, our initial thought was that we were just going to haul out, put the boat in, the, in in April, and then I'd bring the boat north and meet Margaret, you know, somewhere around Newport or something, and we'd head up to Maine and maybe farther north um, next summer. And then, I don't know, over the last month or so, we started talking about maybe getting back down to the Caribbean this year, but we're just running into so many boat work problems. <laughs> That's probably why I was complaining about boat work um, and trying to figure out whether we can, you know, just get all the work that we sort of need to, um, you know, with this, we don't want leaks and uh, we really need to do the, do a bottom job on the boat. And uh, we're just not sure we're going to have the time to get it done in, in time to take off. So um, we're going to figure it out over the next month or two. <laughs> but one of, one of those two options, which neither is a bad, you know, yeah. a bad plan. But And there's also always the sort of constant discussion of, do we just quit our jobs and go sailing? I guess Jeff would say, I, I should quit my job and we should go sailing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were able to go to the Caribbean because I was on sabbatical for the past year. And so I had um, about 15 months off of my job. And so I'm due back to work in August. And uh, already I feel like sort of bear is calling. And it's it's funny because you go, at least I go, sometimes I can't wait to get off the boat. And sometimes I can't wait to get back on the boat. And I feel like there's a, a balance to be found in life between my time spent on the boat and my time spent off the boat, which could be punctuated with just artist residencies or other ways of spending time away for just a couple weeks and then coming back and feeling refreshed. And so maybe full-time living aboard cruising is coming sooner than we thought previously. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Now that's, I mean, that sounds awesome. Um, and, and Jeff, as I recall, you had mentioned you're a, prof you're a professor, is that right? Um, yeah, sort of. I teach, you are. I teach at Southern New Hampshire, uh, university online and, um, you know, I mean, I'm teaching, there's five semesters a year and I teach two courses a semester and they're 10 week semesters and they just keep rolling over. So, um, but a little bit different than Margaret, who's a professor as well, but <laughs> I, I, I teach photography, uh, at a university in the Midwest. And so, um, I'm there year round. Well, except for summers off when we live on Bear too. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And so, is that how have you guys been able to work that with with time sailing? So, Margaret, you said you took a sabbatical. Uh, is that what you did as well, Jeff? No, I, I continued to teach while you know because it was all online, and gotcha. Um, gotcha. I, I was able to, to to teach the whole time, which became pretty tricky at times in the Caribbean. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were in um, we were in uh, Leinster Bay on St. John for for two months with the Park Service, volunteering with the Park Service. And I used to have to hike up the mountain, um, you know, it's about a half mile, three quarters of a mile uphill um, once or twice a day to get internet. And I'd sit up there on a, a park bench and just do my grading and respond to students and all of that. Um, <laughs> it was pretty funny. But... That's pretty awesome though that you were able to make that work. That's uh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Not a bad yeah. place to work, it sounds like. No, no, no it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Margaret, you mentioned that you're a, um, a photographer and I was, I was clicking around, I was trying to do, to do my homework here and mm -hmm. I saw, uh, you have a, the female Mariners project. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Sure. When we bought the boat and we started living aboard, I started thinking more about making work on the water and making work about sort of women on the water. And I began the series called the female Mariner project where I was photographing, women shipwrights, um, captains, liveaboards, um, sailmakers, you name it. Uh, my work previous to this had been about women hunters, women in the military, so you can see a theme there of portraiture about women. Um, but I became really interested in meeting other women who were working on boats and living on the water, and I wanted to hear their experiences. And so I, I really get to do that when I go and make portraits of these people. So. That's a sort of work in progress. If there's any women listening who would like their picture taken, give me a call. <laughs> cool. That's that's really neat. And if, if you guys yeah. ever make it through the Chesapeake again, I can introduce you to some uh, some women oyster oyster workers. Oh, oh that'd be great. That'd yeah, be great. Fits, yeah. the, fits the theme a little bit anyway. Perfect. <laughs> um, 
So you've you've traveled, you know, you've traveled the East Coast, you've traveled down in the Caribbean. Um, I'll tell you, I was I was looking through some of your videos, and uh, you know, it's it's summer in Virginia, it's July now, and summer in New England looks really awesome. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm sure it looks pretty good to you guys in Florida as well. Yeah. Um, sure. Do you have a favorite a favorite spot or some favorite spots that you've been? Sure. Yeah. Uh, we love Cuddy Hunk. Cool. We love Maine. The um, Merchants Row. Oh, Merchants yeah. Row is amazing. Um, yeah. We spent a lot of time up in Stone Sound, anchored up, you know, in, in the um, Acadia National Park there. Mm-hmm. Um, but just any of those out islands there in Penobscot over to MDI. Uh, and we certainly, we loved the number of places that we went to this year. Um, Leinster Bay was amazing. And we really liked uh, Culebra as well over in cool. yeah. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, very nice. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We have some fr- good friends up in Maine, and uh, I've never never sailed there, but it is it's an amazing place. The, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty unbelievable. It really is. It really, yeah. I feel like in Maine you can you can anchor and not see a boat for days if you want to, or you can go to a cute small town and engage with a bunch of really interesting people. And so there's always a new anchorage to go to up there. I feel like we'd never run out of places. We have a we keep a list of anchorages that we'd like to go to and we've never crossed everything off because there's always somewhere someone else tells us, Oh, you gotta check this place out. There's so many great seals here, or you gotta check this place out. There's so much great hiking from it. So I just feel like it's a, an endless cruiser's paradise up there. Yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. Um and so and so you guys do ha- have some YouTube videos and you and you keep a blog. Um so maybe you can just talk a little bit about what goes into that and, and, and what, what you uh, what you enjoy doing about that. <laughs> We're sort of laughing because we um, we feel like we haven't been doing a good job with it at all. <laughs> uh, I sporadically, you know, write some posts and get into it for a week or two or three and then stop writing for a while. And, um, and I make videos occasionally <laughs> and promise myself and others that I'm going to keep doing it more regularly. <laughs> I think the problem becomes that when we're out cruising, we really enjoy just being out cruising and, um, you know, our days are so packed with exploring and boat work that by the end of the day, it's, um, you know, the video making or the blogging gets sort of put on the back burner. And it's not that we don't want to do it. It's just that it does take time. And we totally applaud people like Levegma and Delos (laughs) and, so many other people who are doing such a good job at it. Um, but it's a ton of work, but it's also a great way to connect with other people because we do meet a lot of people through the blog or through the YouTube videos who say, I went there or I want to go there or thanks for teaching me how to do this with sewing or or something like that. Um, and occasionally we even get recognized in public for the, which the is YouTube pretty funny. Video. <laughs> <laughs> nice you people buy us drinks which has been really sweet <laughs> cool you know and, and it's it is i i totally agree i mean the the, the podcast i do for fun to, to connect with people and, and kind of pick people's brains but it's hard to imagine being able to put the time in uh you know if i if live in a board full-time for sure it's a lot, it is yeah. a lot of work even yeah. even on a on a pretty you know relaxed publishing schedule <laughs> <laughs> for sure so um, and Jeff, you and I had were when we were emailing back and forth a little bit. You'd mentioned that you uh, you'd started sailing on on LBI. Um, yep. Talk maybe talk a little bit about that. What got you guys into sailing initially, and uh, and how did you get your start? Yeah, my um, my dad had actually sailed once or twice in with friends in college or something like that, and uh, and so he wanted to, I guess, get me sailing and get back out on the water himself. So we, we bought a little Sunfish, um, and my folks had um, had a place on Long Beach Island, a, a summer place. And our neighbors down there, you know, when we bought the Sunfish, um, encouraged my folks to join the yacht club that was just down the street where their kids had, you know, grown up learning to sail and stuff like that. And so my parents did. And pretty quickly, I got into the sailing program and my parents got into the social program there. And uh, we ended up starting to spend our whole summers down there instead of renting out the you know, the house for most of the summer. And so I was really fortunate to spend my summers growing up, learning to sail and then racing uh, in New Jersey and, you know, uh, some, you know, places around the Northeast as well. Um, And then 
as I got a little bit older, I don't know, 20 years, 21, I, I sort of stopped racing uh, very much, except for in like club races, and really just started to enjoy going out with my friends and usually a case of beer as well. And we just, um, you know, sail from one end of the island or, you know, one end of the island to the other across the bay. And um, oftentimes it was at night, just having a great time. Uh, and that was, that became my summers for, you know, 10 years or so. Um, and I had, I had bought a Catalina 22 at one point in time in there too. And I had it when I met Margaret. That's when she first tried sailing was on the Catalina 22. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I told you when we were emailing a little bit, I, I went to, I guess it was Barnegat Light Yacht Club had like a, yeah. a week-long sailing program. I must have been like seven or eight, I think. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, they, you know, throw you throw the kids out onto a sunfish, let them figure it out, and you, know, you, get, yep. you get dunked a couple of times, but it was it was good oh, fun. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, so much fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, so tell me about DoubleUnders.com. What's, uh, what's <laughs> up with that? <laughs> we had been... That was our first... Yeah, first time up to Maine. With the... Yeah, yeah. We The first time we went up to Maine, we started taking pictures of double-ender sailboats that we were seeing um, and just started accruing this massive body of photographs um, of these beautiful boats and all different kinds. And then it became a game between the two of us of who could identify what you know, who was the designer or what kind of, you know, <laughs> boat it was. And, and we're still pretty terrible. At yeah. It. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of fun. And every anchorage we go into now, we usually look around and we'll sail through it and take pictures of the boats. And we started putting together the website. Jeff built the website. And yes. um, we've been slowly growing that community, asking people to put their own boats on the site. And we've talked a bit to Bob Perry uh, about the boats on the site, cool. and it's just been a great way to connect with other uh, double end double under owners and yep. talk about both the sort of benefits and the sort of challenges of double under sailboats. Yeah, and and the website is you know a lot like we were talking about with the blog and the videos. You know, we have so many ideas for it, and it's just about finding time to you know add features or add content to it. Um, it's nice when people add content themselves. So. Yeah. And there's a double under quiz coming in the near future. Yeah. Yep. Oh, cool. That's, that's, that's cool. <laughs> so what's, so what's, uh, you know, other than the Teano, what's, what's, what's your favorite? Mm. You know, I, I really have always liked the, the Valiant 40, um, mm. just, you know, the tumble home on that boat is pretty amazing. Uh, beautiful. Um, I'm a big fan of the Babas. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Bob Perry. That's right. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Shout out to Bob Perry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny when we were, um, gosh, I can't think of the boat's name right now, but when we were on offshore, uh, we hit some heavy weather, you know, on the trip down and, um, the only boat that was on, well, it was a boat that had, we had been with for like two days and they were no more than a mile from us and we could see them on AIS the whole time we were talking to them on VHF every couple hours or something like that but they were actually a boat that Margaret and I had seen in Maine taken a picture of and had on the double ender site yeah. <laughs> it was really funny I, I didn't mention that I didn't admit to that over, over the VHF <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want them to think I was really stalking them. <laughs> that's pretty cool though I guess it's not yep. only, only so many people out there doing it that's neat yep yep, yep. And it's a the small, the, the double under world is a pretty small place. We end up seeing a lot of the same double unders over and over again, all the way up and down the East Coast. And then even in the Caribbean and in the Bahamas, we ran into boats that we had seen, you know, up in Maine. So it was, yep. that's always neat. Cool. Cool. What did you guys think of the Bahamas? Beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous. The, the water is incredible. Yeah. We, uh, it was sort of a, an odd experience though, because we were sort of, disappointed in the Bahamas. I, that's a horrible thing to say because we had a great time down there, but I think we just had really high expectations for it based on what everybody mm -hmm. always says about it. Um, and, and we had just come from such an amazing anchorage at Leinster Bay. Yeah, we had, we had sort of gotten spoiled <laughs> um, in the Virgins a little bit. And uh, it was just, you know, there was a lot of great things about um, the Bahamas, but there was some of the snorkeling wasn't as good. Um, and it was also challenging at times because you're all, almost always constantly moving to find a new anchorage for protection for as the wind shifts because it's you know as the fronts come through it's just shifting every 
you know, we were down there in the shoulder season. It was like once a week as mm-hmm. opposed to maybe even, you know, twice a week if it was, you know, in the middle of, of the winter or something like that. And so that was just a little challenging and it, it, it made it difficult to really settle in and get relaxed in any one place um, like we were able to do in other places like Culebra and certainly like Leinster and a couple other places in the versions where we just sat for a week or so. Yeah. Um, I think our experience was a, a little bit, I don't know if tainted is the right word to use, but we were rushing a little bit to get right. through the Bahamas. Um, we had thought we were going to end up spending maybe two months or so uh, in the Bahamas, and we only ended up with about five or six weeks, which the two weeks, uh, you know, doesn't sound like much, but it really can end up being a lot when you've got to wait for weather to, you know, get someplace. Um, and so we sp- ended up spending a good deal of time in Georgetown, which we liked quite a bit. It was nice to have the cruisers community to, you know, be able to play poker and trivia and have access to grocery stores and free water and just meet a ton of people and have that sort of communal experience where we, we didn't really have that anywhere else on our trip. Yeah. So that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, and, and I certainly identify with, in terms of uh, having to kind of move around a bunch when um, a few years back, my wife and I took our boat down to the Keys, uh, down the intercoastal. Um, yep. And and it was kind of the same deal that winter in the Keys. It was like, there's just not a ton of anchorages with good protection all around. So you're kind of like yep. shuffling about a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can imagine. You know, I mean, I just brought the boat through the Keys and, you know, and I was just hauling through. But it seemed like it was the same issue there, that there just wasn't a lot of anchorages, um, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you end up stopping anywhere in the Keys at all? Um, I actually came, uh, you know, came under the bridge, uh, you know, just, what is that, west of uh, Marathon, and um, it was about three in the morning, and I went about 10 miles north of the bridge and just put the anchor down in eight feet of water, you know, could, couldn't see land anywhere, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. and uh, spent, you know, four hours or something like that sleeping before I got going again, so that was, that was the only time the anchor went down in the, in the Keys, but. Gotcha, gotcha, cool. Um, so one thing, one thing I always ask people, uh, is, is a favorite sailing song. I don't know if you guys have, have tunes that you listen to while you're sailing or any theme specific favorites, but, uh, <laughs> we, we listen to a lot of theme specific sailing songs, which is pretty funny and sad, probably. No, that's good. I get I get excited about this stuff. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I mean, we certainly, I, I think a go-to would be Southern Cross, but I feel oh, like that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's an obvious, you know, an obvious one. Yeah. But, Pirate's Life at 40. Oh, that's another obvious yeah, one. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have a Yacht Rock channel that we put together <laughs> on Spotify. Spotify, and that's pretty full of sailing songs. And, yep. you know, it's a perfect thing to put on when you're just going for a quick little nice day sail. Yeah. 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 I feel like, um, I feel like I'm going to have to follow up when I can think of some more titles. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That sounds, sounds good. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. I thought we could kind of kind of wrap it up a little bit with, uh, I don't know if there's a, an anecdote or a story um, of a, you know, of a time at sea that really sticks in, in your guys' mind, uh, something very memorable, be it, you know, like a landfall or, or just a moment that was, you know, that sticks out in your mind. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. Margaret was just talking, they're, they're the, second year that we had the boat well the first year we had the boat we brought it down to georgia and um the that spring we did redid the rigging and it was just taking longer and we're down in st mary's georgia and we had a we had rented a house up in annapolis for some friends of ours to come down and have a party uh, over like july 4th weekend or something like that we, we had like three weeks to get up to the chesapeake from st mary's georgia and uh we got up the icw and like 14 days or something like that to Annapolis. And that last night we were coming in, um, finishing like, I don't know, uh, you know, 16 hours up from Deltaville or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, coming in at night, trying to make last call at, uh, at Pussers. <laughs> we, we got in and we're like picking up the mooring at it's last call. Uh, and the bell goes off at Pussers, ding, ding, ding. And, and we look at each other. No, is that really the bell? <laughs> we we kind of realized that, the bars in Annapolis close at like one or something like that because of the, I don't know if it's because of the Academy, but I blamed it on the Academy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They kind of keep everybody in line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We thought we had another hour, but that was still, it was pretty awesome. You know, I mean, I can remember us, uh, 
you know, sort of hugging and just relieved. And it was also so awesome. You know, I love coming into Annapolis at night with all the uh, when you're working by the nav lights, uh, you know, all the that's a pretty you know, crazy place with all the the lights at, at, in the evening and, and a lot of boats who are out and about uh, around there, too, that you got to watch out for them. Um, so it was really fun to just complete that two weeks, just hauling ass up the, the coast um, and, and grabbing the mooring there, yeah. even if we didn't get a painkiller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cool. I also think um, I remember the first time that we did an overnight and it was off the Jersey Shore. And I took, you know, my first night watch and I remember just being amazed at how dark it was and how bright the, the stars were and how bright all of the boat lights that were around us and how disorienting that was. And I had the first watch uh, or I had the first watch of the night and then I had the last watch, you know, before daybreak. And as the sun was coming up, I just remember like starting to cry because I felt like, oh my gosh, I had done this my first night watch. I had, you know, accomplished this thing I was really terrified of and just felt so, I don't know, it felt so amazing and so freeing and like I could do anything at that point. <laughs> and now I look back and think that one little night watch started a lot, you know? <laughs> cool. Well, that's awesome. That, that's great. Um, so what, uh, and what keeps you guys coming back? So it sounds like you're thinking of, you know, you want to keep, keep sailing. What's, what's the attraction? What, uh, you know, what, what pulls you back into it? I think there's a lot of things and it's a little bit different for both of us. Uh, I certainly, you know, I mean, I love, I love anything about being on a boat or being around a boat and I certainly love offshore passage making. Um, you know, I mean, I haven't done a lot of it, but I, I really enjoy that and look forward to doing more of it. Um, we also certainly enjoyed being on the boat almost there's something about being on a boat anywhere. Um, it gives you access to a community in, in, in a different way and, and, and to the, the environment around you in a different way than if you're on land or, you know, if you live there, or you're vacationing there or something like that, it, it really is a sort of weird, you, you're always a guest in the community. You're always welcome to the community in a way that you're not as a tourist. Um, and you get to see, the nature around you in all the time because you have to being on a boat. Um, and, you know, I, I think we both enjoy travel. I think that's a probably a bit more appealing for Margaret about it than it is for me. Not that it's not appealing for me, but. Yeah. For me, it's the opportunity to travel, to find new and exciting things to make work about, to photograph, um, meeting other people who, are from all over the world who are part of the cruising community. Um, now it's the idea of being able to spend as much time underwater as we're spending on the water. When we're in the Caribbean, we spent so much time snorkeling and it was, it's just a whole other world that I didn't know before and is so beautiful. And I think one of the things that really draws me to cruising though, is spending time with Jeff in that way. We're together. We're really working out problems together. We're, like I said before, the boat feels like family. So it's me and Jeff and the boat, and we're like invincible when we're together. We can go <laughs> do anything we want to. And um, it's just a real sense of freedom and opportunity. And it's it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. That's great. No, that's, that's great stuff. I, uh, Appreciate you guys sharing your time and sharing your thoughts. Um, it's been uh, it's been fun talking to you. Can you uh, where can where can people find you uh, online? Sure, they can find us on our blog at www.returntoseasons.com. They can find us on YouTube, uh, returntoseasons.com, on Facebook. Um, they can find us at doubleenders.com. <laughs> yep. uh, for sure. Yep. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much, guys. This is, this has been great. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. Aboard. Thank you. Uh, yep. We'll have to uh, meet up with you sometime in the Chesapeake. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm in Gloucester, which is actually fairly convenient to Deltaville. I'm about twenty. Yeah. Well, yeah. By, by car, it's about twenty minutes to Deltaville. Did that uh, brew pub ever open up in Gloucester? Yeah, yeah. The, you mean the? Uh, well, there's we have yeah we have a brewery now. It's right in the courthouse. Right by the laundromat. Yes. So 
Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, it opened. That thing, I felt like I, I thought it was when I first saw it when we were working at Deltaville, I thought, oh, good, this is going to be open in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and then, like, three months later, way longer than I ever thought it was going to be in Deltaville, we're leaving. And, uh, it still wasn't open. <laughs> yeah, you know that's funny. You know, yeah, that's it's Gloucester Brewing Company, and they they did. I think they had said like August of that. I don't remember, but they they opened a little late. Um, but yeah, we can we can literally walk there. We we live like oh, a stone's right. throw from there. <laughs> oh, okay, that's, that's a cool little neighborhood then. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's nice. We like it. Um, so uh, yeah, no, but absolutely. If you guys you guys make it up through the Chesapeake, we'll uh, we'll get you some clams and oysters and some some local beer. <laughs> <laughs> We'll definitely, we'll definitely be through again. Yeah. Sweet, yeah. sweet. Yeah, give, give me a holler for sure. There it is, ladies and gents. Jeffrey and Margaret of ReturnToSeasons.com. Thanks again to them for taking the time to share their thoughts on the podcast. I certainly enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you have enjoyed listening in as well. Uh, as you heard, they can be found online at returntoseasons.com as well as doubleenders.com. Uh, you can find Margaret's photography at margaretlejeune.com as well. And uh, thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed this episode, reach out, let uh, Jeffrey and Margaret know, and uh, also leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you. See you next time. That's it for this episode of The Bonnie Boat. Thanks for listening. I know time is my most scarce resource these days, so I appreciate you uh, choosing to spend your time listening here. One of the reasons I decided to throw my hat into the podcast ring is to get in touch with other like-minded sailing maniacs. To that end, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email me at thebonnieboat at gmail.com. You can find us online at thebonnieboat.wordpress.com. And remember, to be a sailor, you don't need a YouTube channel with 100,000 video subscribers. You don't need an Instagram account with pictures of beautiful people in their bathing suits. You certainly don't need a podcast. You don't even need a boat. You just need to go sailing. Until next time, this is Firefly standing by on Channel 16.